Welcome to the Merge Podcast. The Merge is the student ministry of the First Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. The mission of the Merge is to equip students to love God and His people. Here is student pastor Ryan Holtz. Let's do it. My name is Ryan Holtzclaw. I am a student pastor here at First Baptist Church Barnwell. It is awesome to see you guys tonight. It is a pleasure and honor. I love hearing you guys worship and sing and, and uh, do all that crazy stuff. I hold in my hand something that I love dearly. I love it as much as I love my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I don't love it that much. This is my... This is an Xbox 360. And man, it is an awesome, awesome toy to have. I have played video games since I was very little. I used to own the Atari. You guys don't remember that? It was the first one. It's what Pac-Man came out and stuff. Mrs. Pac-Man. Uh, all those crazy games. Centipede. The little car game, it was awesome. The Atari was the thing. And then it went from Atari to Nintendo. And and the Nintendo came out, man. And the Nintendo, you had to have it. And then it went from the Nintendo to the Super Nintendo to the N64 to the the Sega Genesis to the PlayStation to the PlayStation 2 to the Xbox, the Xbox 360. And the PS3, man, I have had them all. The only one that I have not owned, there's only three of those I have never owned. One is the Super Nintendo, the N64, and the PS3. Oh, and I can't forget the Wii. Wii, I own a Wii now. But anyway, the Xbox 360, I love video games, man. They are the best. You know, I remember, I remember, I remember when the video game, uh, when the Nintendo first came out, and, and I was so pumped to have it. I wanted to have me a Nintendo. And it came out, of course, right before, right before Christmas. And, uh, and so I, I wanted to, uh, to get that and, and have it. And so I was like begging my parents, please get me a Nintendo. Get me a Nintendo for Christmas. And I, I remember getting up on Christmas morning, and, and sure enough, man, there was my Nintendo. And boy, I was pumped. Because not only did they get me the Nintendo, they got me the little gun that goes with it. And they got me Duck Hunt. And so not only could I play Mario, not only could I play Mario, but boy, I'd take care of me some ducks. Man, that thing was awesome. you shoot those ducks and then the little dog would get them. And man, that was awesome stuff. So anyway, so I remember we played all morning, the Christmas Day morning. 
course, because Santa Claus brought me my Nintendo. So we played all morning long, and then I had to go to my aunt's house and eat. And then I came back home, and I played all evening, right? And about 9.30 on Christmas Day night, my mom's dad said, Boy, it's time for you to go to bed. I was like, man, I'm eight years old, nine years old. I should be able to stay up as late as I want. It's Christmas Day night, playing the Nintendo. They are like, no, you got to go to bed. We've had a long day. We're all going to go to bed. I was like, all right. So I go and get to bed. I'm laying there. Fifteen minutes later, I hear, and the Mario game starts playing. And I look out there, and my mom and dad sent me to bed so they could play Mario Brothers. I was like, man, they lied. Mama said the next morning they couldn't sleep. I was like, you didn't even try to go to sleep. You just went out there and started playing my video game. Man, I love video games. I used to stay up. I would play my video games. I'd play them all hours of the night. Before I got married, I would, I would stay up. Uh, I would, I would uh, start playing football on my 360, start playing football. Late at night, I would play from 11 o'clock at night to sometimes 4 or 5 in the morning. Man, I just love playing games. I still love playing games. I love it because it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and it's a challenge that, that we all like to have. We, it presents a challenge to us because after we conquer the game, it's like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I took you out. You know, especially on those war games, man, when you can sneak up behind somebody like Call of Duty and you lift that rifle up and you take them out right, right in the face. It's like, oh, man, it's awesome stuff. You know, there's some of you, there's some of you that are here tonight and you're playing a game that, that you don't understand. It's a game that you constantly are uh, intentionally sinning and you're doing things that you know are wrong. There's some of you here tonight that, that you're treating your life like a video game. And, and you're intentionally sinning. You're making these bad decisions. And, and I'm not sure if you realize it or not, but you are doing yourself a lot of harm in treating your life like a video game. And, and not just your life are you, are you bringing harm to, but you're also bringing harm to your family, to your parents, to your brothers, to your sisters. The intentionally sinning, the bad decisions that some of you guys are making in your lives today, they, they can have a, a, a harmful impact on the people around you. If you would, please go with me in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. I'll tell you the story of a guy that you don't really hear a lot about. One, because he's dead. And two, this is the only time he's ever mentioned. And there's a reason for that. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua is, of course, in the Old Testament. It falls right after Deuteronomy. It lies somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. It is right before 1 Samuel. I'm sorry. It is right before Judges. Right before Judges. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Joshua 7, verse 1. And here's what's happened. Joshua and his band of guys have just captured, God has allowed them, helped them to capture the city of Jericho. Y'all know that story, right? They went and walked around the city like six days, and all of a sudden the walls fell. 
around Jericho, and then they went in and took the city, right? So that has just happened. And God told them, God said, you can take that city, but when you go in there, you destroy all the people and everything in the city. Nothing comes out of the city. All right? So that's where we're at. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. It says this, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, Ai whatever. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not, do not let all the people go up, but let just about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the, peop- from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Sherbrum, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So they go up, they're thinking they're going to be able to take this city with ease, but like they did Jericho, ends up, that's not happening. Okay? That's not happening. So let's keep going, verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we, have been, we had been content and dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Now check this out. This is where it gets kind of good, okay? Verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have transgressed. My covenant which I commanded them, for they have taken some of the accursed things. Somebody stole something out of the city of Jericho that they weren't supposed to take. All right? Look at verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So Joshua is telling the people, Somebody has done something wrong among us, and we've got to get rid of it so that we can continue to be successful. Okay? So look on in verse 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, to your families. And I lost my place. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed 
the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Drop down to verse 18. It says, Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedah, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan said, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and that is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. And there they are hidden, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Accor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned, him with, burned them with fire after they had stoned them with their stones. My boy stole something, and it ended up killing his whole family. Achan's desire for greed caused him to do what happens when we play video games, when we play our life like a video game. Achan climbed inside the game. His game was greed. And he made a horrible decision that cost him his life, and eventually it cost him the life of his family. So there's four things that I want you to see that happens when you treat your life like a video game. The first thing that I want you to see is this, the game will trap you. When you use your life, when you make bad decisions and intentionally sin against God, you're playing this little game with your life. And if you're not careful, once you climb inside the game, it will trap you. One of the truths about a video game is that it is locked inside the television. You can't pull the characters out of the TV. They're stuck in there. You can't win a big boxing match on fight night round four and then go into the ring and celebrate with your guy. Nor can you pull the guy out of the TV and celebrate with him. They're trapped in there. They can't get out. Aiken's desire for valuable property and money, it lit a fire of greed within him. And he intentionally sinned against God. He got trapped in the game. Bernie Madoff has been in the news recently. He was born April 29th, 1938. He is the foreman chairman of the NASDAQ Stock Exchange and the admitted operator of a scheme that might be the largest investment fraud in Wall Street history. In March 2009, Madoff pled guilty to 11 felonies and he admitted to turning his wealth management business into a massive scheme that defrauded thousands of investors billions of dollars. Madoff said he began the scheme in the early 1990s. The amount missing from client accounts, including fabricated gains, was almost $65 billion. The court appointed trustees 
the court appointed trustee estimated actual losses to investors at $18 billion. On June 29, 2009, Bernie Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison. He got greedy. He played a game. He played a game of greed. He played a game with money. And he lost. There are many of you who are here tonight and you're playing a game with your life. And some of you are trapped inside that television. Some of you are trapped inside the game and you don't even realize it. Many of you are trapped by desires of constant, constant acceptance, acceptance, acceptance from your peers. So you're willing to do whatever you can to make them accept you. Your, your desire for them to accept you will go so far that you will change your morals and your standards and your values to meet their standards. You no longer look at God's standards. You look at the standards of your friends. And you will do whatever you can to make them like you. You are trapped in this little game. It's almost like you're on a little rat or little rat wheel. And you're just going around and around and around. You're trapped. You can't go anywhere else. Some of you struggle with eating disorders because you think you have to look this way or fit in these clothes and you're trapped by the lie of image and what the world says beauty is. Some of you are trapped by the game of sex and that says that if you're not having it, then there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your relationship. Some of you are trapped in the game of drugs and alcohol and that say that these are the only things that can make you happy. Some of you are playing a game of deception where you're trying to be something at church. You're trying to act one way at church, but then when you go to school, it's a completely different life for you there. You're a completely different person Monday through Saturday than you are on Sunday morning. Some of you are playing the game of deception where it comes to your parents. And you're lying and you're going behind your parents' back and you're doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing. Many of you are, are trapped inside this game and you can't see just how destructive it is. You're trapped and what you believe is fun and exciting is really something that you've got to get out of and get out of fast. The second thing that I want you to see is the game causes you to run and hide. In almost all video games, at some point in time, your character will find that he or she is running and hiding from the enemy in the game. Halo is a great example of that. I'll talk a little bit about Halo. I am horrible at Halo. I cannot play that game. I have tried and I've tried and I've spent hours. I cannot play Halo. I am terrible at Halo. I always find myself running from people instead of running at them trying to shoot them. So I'm terrible at Halo. But you're trapped inside, if, even though you're trying to run and you're trying to hide in Halo, the scenes, man, there, there's these different little scenes in Halo, if you've played it, I'm sure some of you have. And in and, and those scenes, uh, you can't really go that far. You're kind of trapped in that scene. It's kind of the same thing. This thing that's got you trapped, this sin that has you trapped, you're trying to run, you're trying to hide from your parents, but you can't. If you look at verse 19 in Joshua 7, Achan tried to run, he tried to hide. Verse 19, he said, Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me what you have done. Do not 
hide it from me? Achan replied, it is true. It is true. I have indeed sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And they are, they, they are now hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. He took the stuff that he stole and he went and he hid it. Some of you are sinning and you're trying to hide it. It's like I talked about. Some of you, there's a different person between Monday and Saturday than what walks through that door on Sunday mornings. Some of you are trying to hide what you're doing. You're ashamed of it. Some of you. A lot of you aren't. You just think you're having fun. Achan was trapped in this game of greed. And his greed, his sin, caused him to run and hide. The text, the text doesn't say it, but I almost guarantee you, every time Achan came around Joshua or one of Joshua's tribe members or friends, I'll bet you this little chill went up his spine like, man, I hope they don't know what I did. Man, I, I hope, man, oh God, I hope they don't know what I did. Oh, I hope they don't know what I did. And I'd almost promise you that he probably tried to avoid them as much as he possibly could. How many of you are so scared of people finding out what you're doing because you know it's wrong. And so, and so what you do is you try to hide from that person. You try to avoid them. How many of you are playing this game of hide and seek with your sin? Some of you are hiding things from your parents that you know are wrong. Some of you are hiding things from anybody that cares about you because you don't want them to find out what you're doing. Or they may already know what you're doing and you're still hiding from them. Some of, them, you, some of you may be embarrassed because you're playing the acceptance game. And, and it's a game to you and it's an acceptance game. And so uh, you're trying to keep from people from finding out what you're doing. Now I want you to think about it for a moment. If you are trying to hide what you're, having, what you're doing... If you're trying to hide it, don't you realize that that kind of should make what you're doing wrong? Because if you're doing something good, if you're doing something that nobody would be, everybody would be okay with, why should you have to hide it? You, you know that going to a football game, you can't carry alcohol in the game. What would you do? You would hide it. Because you know it's wrong to carry it in the game. Anderson College, where I went to school at, you couldn't have alcohol anywhere on the campus. So people would take water jugs, water, like water filter things, and they would fill it full of vodka. And they would hide it in their refrigerator, hoping that when their rooms were inspected for alcohol, that whoever wouldn't find out that there was vodka in there. You hide things because you know it's wrong. Stop hiding things. Eventually, what you're doing, everybody's going to find out about it. Some of you, some of you go as far as posting stuff on Facebook. I think some of you forget who you're friends with on Facebook. Because I see a lot of stuff that you guys write on your Facebook. I spend an hour a day looking at y'all's Facebooks. Just to see what's going on with you. And some of you, some of the stuff that I've seen on there, 
I'm thinking, man, that's not the person that I talk to on Wednesday nights. That's somebody completely different. Quit hiding. Quit running. Understand that you were trapped in something. Philip told me yesterday he saw a video in health that y'all probably have seen that I think is pretty telling. The bulimia video. Have y'all seen that? Where the girl is bulimic. She's trying to hide it. She knows what she's doing is wrong. So when she would binge and then purge, she would purge into the little bags and she would put them in the bags and she'd hide them in her closet. Right, she would throw it up. I think they know that, Philip. And she would throw it up and then she would hide it in her closet and take it across the state and put it in the dump over there so that nobody could find out about it. She knew what she was doing was wrong. You know a lot of the things that you guys are doing where you are intentionally sinning against God, when you are trying to act one way here and and be something completely different outside of here, you know it's wrong and you're trying to hide it. The third thing that I want you to see tonight is this fact. The game can kill you. The game can kill you. Verse 24 says, Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons and his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought him to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. I told you that one of the games I struggle with is Halo. I remember when Halo first came out, I was an intern at Seneca Baptist. I was playing it, trying to be cool, playing it with the guys and stuff, and I was just getting murdered. I mean, I was getting crushed. Every, I mean, I couldn't even take a step without one of them jokers shooting me and killing me. The object of the game is to get killed, and, and everybody wanted me on the opposite team because they knew they were going to get some points. A lot of times I would find myself in a corner. I would have no more places to run, no more places to hide. And, and one of the guys from the other team, man, he'd come sneaking up on me. I don't know how he'd do it, but he would like throw a little grenade over there and bye-bye me. I'd be dead. And I'd get mad. I hated that game. I still do. Anyway, Aiken's greed, Aiken's greed led to the death of himself, but not just himself, but everything he had, including his family. It led to the death of everything that he had. You would think that he had, had he known that this game he was playing, that it would destroy him, had he known it would destroy him and his family, Pretty sure he would have made a wiser decision. Pretty sure he wouldn't have stepped into that game. Some of you here tonight, you think you are invincible because you're young. You think that nothing can happen to you because you're young. I've got my whole life ahead of me. Some of you, some of you probably go around and you say, man, life is short. I got to live it to the fullest. 
I got to do all that I can. I got to live my life. It's my life. I'm going to live it however I want to. And you think that you're invincible. You think that you can do anything and you'll be okay. I used to think that way. And I have done some crazy stuff. And I told you, I think, I once jumped on the side of a moving car. And I fell off. And it hurt. I've done some other dumb stuff. Aiken's decision... It didn't just impact him, it impacted his whole family. Don't you realize the decisions that you're making right now to intentionally sin could kill you? One of my best friends growing up is this guy named Jason Whitfield. And uh, Jason and I uh, we're very close. I, my parents built a house right across the street from Jason. Uh, we moved there when I was in the seventh grade. And from seventh grade until the time that I was about 28, 27, 28 years old, Jason and I remained friends. In high school, we were best friends. Jason was very athletic. Jason would have been probably one of the best baseball players to ever come out of Seneca. He was very athletic. He was an athletic wide receiver for the football team, but he was crazy. And he played a game. One day, he stepped into the video game world of alcohol. And when we were in the 10th grade, Jason climbed a 75-foot high mountain drunk and when he got to the top of it he slipped he fell 75 feet to the bottom put him in a coma for five days they were not sure if he would wake up they knew he was uh, lucky to be alive it was uh, pretty devastating seeing my best friend lay in a hospital bed I still see it When Jason came out of the coma, the fall had damaged a part of his brain that controlled his right side. His mouth drooped. His right arm barely worked. His whole left side barely worked. When he'd walk, he'd have to drag. His baseball career, gone. Any chance of ever playing baseball, done. Football, done. He had nothing left as far as athletics go. He continued on having problems with that right leg to the point where one night he went out, he got drunk. He came home, his right leg was hurting him. He got up, took some painkillers, went to sleep, never woke up. My friend Jason died three years ago. Five years ago? Five years ago. I'm not good with numbers. Five years ago, I stood over the casket of one of my best friends 
growing up, and he was dead because he played a game. Had he never climbed that mountain, had he never touched that alcohol and climbed that mountain, there would have been no need for him to be on the painkillers. He played a game and he lost. And you see, Jason's death, it didn't just impact Jason. It impacted his whole family. Because a part of his mother died with him when he died. A part of his sister died with him when he died. A part of his father, his father has never been the same since Jason died. Guys, the games that you were playing with your life... It's not just about you. It's about your whole family. And the fact is that these dumb decisions that some of you are making, you're only thinking about you. You're not thinking about what it could do to them. Jason is physically dead. His family's emotionally dead. The last thing that I want you to see is this. There is only one way, one person that can free you from the game. The reality is this. The only one who can step into the game and pull you out is the one that defeated the game. He's the one that took the game and he destroyed it. He took, he stepped into the world. He stepped into the world and he absolutely destroyed the game. And what do you guys do? Shh. What do you guys do? For the one that stepped in, for the one that destroyed the game, what do you do? You keep on intentionally sinning against him. You keep on uh, making these horrible decisions that one day could kill you, that one day could destroy you. But you're okay with that because you're not thinking right. He destroyed this game for you. Why not? Why not? Why not? Give your life to Him. Why not? Jesus Christ, shh, Jesus Christ is the only one that can destroy the game. He's the only one that can free you from the trap of the sins that your life is in right now. You guys need to start making a decision. Are you going to keep playing the video game and just kind of spin around and around in the trap and eventually die or possibly die or ruin your life? You may not kill yourself physically, 
but you could possibly kill the future that you may have, like my friend Jason did. It's time to quit playing games with your life and get serious about Jesus Christ. He's the only one that will free you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Merge Podcast. For more information about the Merge Student Ministry, please go to www.mergestudents.com. Thank you for listening to the Merge Podcast. For more information about the Merge Student Ministry, please go to www.mergestudents.com.